celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to look at the fact that the life which Jesus lived, his is the greatest life ever lived. So this morning, the title of my sermon is simply, The Greatest Life Ever Lived. Now many of you may have, uh, may be familiar with this prose uh, that's commonly known as the one solitary life. It was written probably in the early part of the 1900s. The author, the original author is unknown and uh, they've been uh, adapt it has been adapted several versions of this prose uh, has evolved over time and i've uh, taken that and touched it up a little bit but i love to read it over and over again because it so powerfully conveys to us this one life this greatest life ever lived Nearly 2,000 years ago, in an obscure village, a child was born of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village called Nazareth, where he worked as a carpenter until he was 30. Then, for three short years, he became an itinerant preacher. He healed the sick cast out demonic powers, calmed the raging storm, multiplied food to feed the hungry, and most important of all, he taught the principles of an unseen kingdom that radically challenged human thinking. This man never went to college or seminary. He never wrote a book. He never held a public office. He never had a family, nor owned a home. He never put his foot inside a big city, nor traveled even 200 miles from his birthplace. And though he never did any of the things that usually accompany greatness, throngs of people followed him. He had no credentials but himself. While he was still young, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His followers ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and sentenced to death on a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth the simple coat he had worn. His body was laid in a borrowed grave provided by a compassionate friend. But three days later, this man arose from the dead, living proof that he was, as he said, as he had claimed, the Savior whom God had sent, the incarnate Son of God. Centuries have come and gone, and today, the risen Lord Jesus Christ is a central figure 
of the human race. On our calendars, his birth divides history into two eras. One day of every week is set aside in remembrance of him. And our two most important holidays celebrate his birth and resurrection. On church steeples around the world, his cross has become the symbol of victory over sin and death. This one man's life has furnished the theme for more songs, books, poems, and paintings than any other person or event in history. Thousands of colleges, hospitals, orphanages, and other institutions have been founded in honor of this one who gave his life for us. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the governments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned have not changed the course of history as much as this one solitary life. This is Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give him honor. Let's give him praise. H.G. Wells, the British writer, when he was asked in person, he, uh, he was asked which person left the most permanent impression on history. He replied that judging a person's greatness by his historical standards, this is what he said. By this test, Jesus stands first. I am a historian, he said. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Christ is the most unique person of history. No man can write a history of the human race without giving first and foremost place to the penniless teacher of Nazareth. Amen. All of history revolves around him. His influence on civilization is probably greater than any other human, is definitely greater than any other human being ever. Here was a man. The Bible calls him the son of man. He was very human in the life that he lived. Born in a simple cattle shed in Bethlehem. Born to an, into an ordinary family. Joseph and Mary. Raised up in very simple beginnings. His father was a carpenter and Jesus worked with his father. Very humble beginnings. Spent the first 30 years of his life doing just that. Working at a carpenter shop. Wasn't something we would consider as a step towards greatness. He was very human in, in the life that he lived. 
He ate like us. He traveled like us. He slept like us. He felt pain just like any one of us. He got tired like any one of us. A very human life. And yet in his life he was very compassionate. The Bible talks time and tells us time and time again. That as he once he began his ministry. At the age of 30. As he traveled and preached. Over and over again the Bible records as he saw these big crowds. He was moved with compassion. Towards them. And out of that compassion he taught them. Out of that compassion, he healed the sick. He cast out devils. Out of that compassion, he met the needs of people. He was very tender, very compassionate to the little children that came to him. He wasn't so high and mighty that he wouldn't stoop down to the little innocent ones. He reached out to them. And he, in fact, he said that of such is the kingdom of God. He was very tender to the outcasts and the rejects of society. When a woman caught in adultery was about to be stoned by her accusers. He was the only man who stood beside her. And he said, those of you who are without a sin, without sin, let them be the first one to cast a stone on this woman. He was so tender and compassionate to those whom... This is whom society would disdain, would not even go near. But he allowed such a woman to come and touch his feet. Break an alabaster box and anoint him with that precious perfume. And to wipe his feet with her own hair and wash it with her own tears. The religious leader said if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman is touching him. But for Jesus, it mattered. It did not matter what people said about her, but she mattered to him because he was compassionate. He was moved with compassion for all people. He saw past the social status of people. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He probably collected more tax than he needed to. He probably had many mansions built. Big estates with all the money he robbed, we don't know. But Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. I want to bring true salvation, which money can't bring to your home. Jesus faced temptations just like you and me. The Bible records the time when Satan himself came and tempted Jesus. When he was in a time of fasting and seeking the Lord, Satan came with three temptations of attacking the three realms of human personality. The flesh, as I command these stones to be made bread. The eyes, saying, look, all the nations of this world I'll give you, just, and the glory of it, just worship me. And the pride of life, the pride that makes you think you can do it by yourself. Just jump from the temple. The angels will hold you and the work is done. But Jesus withstood all these three temptations. 
It was not the only temptations he faced because the Bible says the devil left him for a season implying that he did come back several times after that. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. He faced temptation in every area of life. In all points like we are. He was powerful. He lived a powerful life. Not powerful from earthly terms. But powerful as a person. Because when people came to apprehend him. When a Roman soldier was sent to the temple saying, There is Jesus speaking in the temple. Go get him. His preaching was so powerful. The Roman soldier went back and said, I'm sorry, I cannot catch this man because never a man spoke like this man. He was not intimidated by the physic or the physical strength of Jesus. But when he heard the words that flowed out of this simple carpenter from Nazareth, even a Roman soldier was put to stop in his tracks. He said, Never a man spoke like this man. He was powerful in his life. So that even when storms came up on the waters that he was traveling on. He didn't start counting his last few seconds. But he stood up there and he said, peace, be still. No storm was going to sink his boat. He dominated the storms and the winds and the waves. He lived a powerful life because when he walked into the temple and demons would scream saying, we know who you are. He would say, be quiet and come out. And the people were amazed because they said, what man is this? With what authority does he do all these things? We've never seen it like this before. With power and authority, he commands the unclean spirits and they listen to him. What manner of man is this man? We've never seen it like this before. Soon people began to understand that this man had the power to heal sicknesses and diseases so that multitudes would come. People who've been to doctors for 12 years. People who've been bent over for 18 years. People who've been blind from birth, maimed, and, and, and all kinds of people would come. They would bring the oppressed and the uh, people who are troubled demonically. They would bring him to this man. Knowing that he had the power to heal every sickness and every disease. And every person who came to him in faith did never go away disappointed. He lived a powerful life. And towards the end of his days, his very short life, he suffered humiliation, false accusation, and eventually death on the cross. And yet in the midst of that utter humiliation, when he, people would spit upon his face, and in the midst of all that false accusers, he stood strong. 
He was so strong that he didn't think it was important to defend himself. He was so strong he didn't even think it was necessary to call for a legion of angels who were ready to deliver him. He was so strong that he stood before the greatest emperor of his time and he said, I have a kingdom of which you do not know anything of. My kingdom is not of this world. He never spoke a word. He never retaliated. He never chose to defend himself. Even in the midst of humiliation. That was his life. A very short life. 33 and a half years. A life that was lived 2,000 years ago. And a life that was lived in an obscure part of our world. He didn't travel more than 200 miles from where he was born. And yet today, 2,000 years later, one-third of our world's population identify themselves by his name. Yet today, 2,000 years later, lives are radically transformed by faith in this man. And the transformation that he brings is not because he wrote some deep, philosophical thing that today people search and try to understand. The transformation that people experience is not something that people say, I now have a higher level of consciousness of some deeper spirituality. No, the transformation that this man brings is a transformation from inside out. It's a transformation which no religion can give. It's a transformation which no philosophy can bring. It's a transformation which no form of religion can deliver to mankind. It's a transformation that sets the drug addict free. It sets, it's a transformation that sets person who's bound to alcohol totally free. It sets a a wife abuser turning turns him into a compassionate man. It turns a, a, a ill-tempered man into a man who's gentle, kind, and soft-spoken. It's a transformation which no psychologist, which no psychiatrist can do for any human being. This transformation is brought about by this man Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. It's a transformation which only Jesus Christ can give from inside out. And it's a permanent change that comes from within. It's not turning a new leaf. It's not putting on a patch on your skin. It's true transformation. 2,000 years later, sick bodies are still healed in his name. People with incurable diseases whom doctors have given up turning in simple faith to this man are healed in his name. 2,000 years later, demons tremble at the sound of his name. 
devils cry. When you speak to them in his name. And they say, yes, we will leave. We will go. We will vacate. Because of his name. 2,000 years later. So how could this be? Napoleon, the first emperor of France, he had reached a time in his life when he had conquered all of civilized Europe. At that point in his life, he was in exile on the rock of St. Helena. He probably had a lot of time to reflect on his accomplishments, on history, on life's purpose. One day he called one of his associates, Count Montalon, and he asked him, he said, Can you tell me who Jesus Christ was? The Count didn't, didn't respond. He didn't know whether he should respond, so he just, just kept quiet. History records that Napoleon went on to tell him this. He said, well then, I will tell you. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I myself have founded great empires. But upon what did these creations of our genius depend? Upon force. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love. And to this very day, millions will die for him. I think I understand something of human nature. And I tell you, all these were men. And I am a man. None else is like him. Jesus Christ was more than a man. I have inspired multitudes with such an enthusiastic devotion that they would have died for me. But to do this, it was necessary that I should be visibly present with the electric influence of my looks, my words, of my voice. When I saw men and spoke to them, I lightened up the flame of self-devotion in their hearts. Christ alone has succeeded in so raising the mind of man toward the unseen that it becomes insensible to the barriers of time and space. Across the chasm of 1800 years, Jesus Christ makes a demand which is beyond all others difficult to satisfy. He asks for that which a philosopher may often seek in vain at the hands of his friends or a father of his children, or a bride of a spouse, or a man of his brother. He asks for the human heart. He will have it entirely to himself. He demands it unconditionally, and forthwith his demand is granted. Wonderful. In defiance of time and space, the soul of man, with all its powers and faculties, becomes an annexation to the empire of Christ. All who sincerely believe in him experience that remarkable supernatural love toward him. This phenomenon is unaccountable. 
It is altogether beyond the scope of a man's creative powers. Time, the great destroyer, is powerless to extinguish this sacred flame. Time can neither exhaust its strength nor, to, nor put a limit to its range. This is it which strikes me most. I have often thought of it. This it is which proves to me quite convincingly the divinity of Jesus Christ. Amen. No other man in human history whose influence can transcend time can grip the hearts of people with such a devotion as Jesus Christ. That's why you and I are here. Because our hearts have been gripped by the love of Jesus Christ. And it's beyond what can be explained. It's beyond the charismatic influence of some person who looks at you and speaks to you. It has to be God. Now I want to submit and remind each one of us today that although history records Jesus as a man, he was more and he is more than just a man. He is God who became a man. And that's why he transcends time. That's why he's bigger than human understanding. That's why even today lives are changed when they give their hearts to him. That's why even today people are healed in his name and devils flee at the sound of his name. Not because he was a great historical figure, but because he was truly God who became man. He came to demonstrate God's immeasurable love for you and me. He came because God wanted to reach out to you and reach out to me and say, I love you. I love you so much that I will die for your sins on the cross. And I will make a way by which you can now enter into a relationship with me. I love you so much that I'm willing to invite you to come into my family. Is what God is speaking through Jesus Christ. He came to redeem mankind. He came to set us free. From the grip of darkness that we could never get rid of ourselves. He came to set us free from the dominion and the domination of sin. Sinful habits and patterns that control us and enslave us. The highest educated intellectual of our day is as much a slave to sin. As any uneducated illiterate person that you might meet. We are both enslaved. We're all enslaved to sin and to Satan. But here comes Jesus, the Redeemer, the only one in human history who could say, I can set you free. And if I set you free, you will be really free. The only one who could speak and say, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. 
But if you continue in my words, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He came to model for us the life that God intends for us. And beloved, this is what I want you and I to understand. His was the greatest life ever lived. And yet he didn't come just to set his own life so unique that it would be beyond our reach and our grasp. Rather, he became one of us. So that the Bible says he could become the captain of our salvation in that we would follow in his steps. He comes so that you and I could begin to follow his model of life that was set for us. He came to model for us the life that God intends for you and me. That is the standard for human living, Jesus Christ. And it's a life that God is inviting all of us to model after and to follow. The Bible says whoever abides in him should walk even as he walked. The Bible says our life in this world is just as is. The Bible says that we are changed into his own image by the Spirit of God. So as unique as his life is, brothers and sisters, that's the model we've got to follow. Anything less than that is not Christianity. His life is the normal Christian Amen. But the good news is this. He came to empower us to live life the Jesus way. Amen. He not only came to set the standard to show us the model of the life God intends for all of us, but he came to empower us. The Bible says, that even as he was tempted in all points, like as we were, as we are, he is able to strengthen those who are being tempted. Meaning, the victory he walked in, he's able to help you and me walk in. He is here to empower us to live his kind of life. We are all in a journey. To move from where we are to live life the Jesus way. To live life the way he lived life. Amen. Philosophers can tell you how to do it. But they can never empower you to do it. Jesus is very different. He not only shows you the way, but he says, I'll help you. Walk the way. I will empower you to walk this way. I will hold your hand. I will come by your side. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
He comes to every believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our strengthener. He strengthens us. He undergirds us. He, he stands right beside us, helping us to live life the way Jesus wants us to live. Amen. I want to close by just reminding us of this promise, of this statement Jesus made. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that day, talking about you and me, that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to model for us the life we are supposed to be living. And he came to empower us to live that life. He came to give us true life. He said, I have come that they might have life. And have it to the full. His was the greatest life ever lived. And he wants to invite you and me to join him to live life his way. He modeled it for us. We can now step in and walk the path. Amen. This morning, I just want to call our worship team up. And I want to take some time. For us just to pray together before we leave, this Christmas day can be a special day for you, for me. There could be some of us sitting here this morning, and we've searched far and wide. We've looked for deeper spirituality. We have looked for higher consciousness, higher states of consciousness. We've browsed through all the philosophies that man has to offer. But I wonder if this morning you would be willing to come face to face with the one who's lived the greatest life that ever was. I wonder if you'd be willing to come face to face with Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There could be some of us sitting here. And we know we are bound. We are enslaved. We've struggled with our habits, with our addictions. We know they are ruining our lives. And we've tried every form, every way, every method to come out of it. And it's all been wasted. But this morning, I wonder if you will... Be willing to come face to face with Jesus Christ who said, If I set you free, you will be free indeed. There could be some of us who are just so laden with the guilt of our sin, our wrongdoing, the evil we have done, just the very fact that we are sinful. And you've been to every religious place, you've been to every place where you thought you could meet God and you're still under that cloud of guilt, sin and shame. I wonder if this morning you would come face to face with Jesus Christ who died for you on the cross, who took all your sin, guilt and shame so that the Bible says today, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of their sins. Jesus Christ doesn't give you a religion to ease the guilt of your sin. He gives you his blood that washes your sins away. I wonder if this morning you would come face to face with Jesus. Might be some of us who are 
sick and suffering, pain in our body with afflictions, all kinds of things. We want to pray with you because this Jesus who was born 2,000 years ago, his name still heals sickness and disease. His name still makes the broken whole. His name still brings healing to the broken heart. You want to pray with you this morning. First, I just want us to pray with those who feel a tug on their hearts this morning who say, you know, I feel I want Jesus in my life. I feel I want Jesus to be real to me. I want him to transform me inside out. I want this change that he can bring. I want this forgiveness that he can give. I want Jesus to make me a new person. If you feel that in your heart this morning, would you just raise your hand, anybody? Would you just raise your hand right where you are? If you feel it in your heart saying, yes, this morning, I want Jesus to do this for me. I want Jesus to change my life. Right where you are, just raise your hand. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I see one hand there. Any more, any more hands this morning? Say, I want Jesus to change my heart. Anybody else this morning? See another hand, another hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Wonderful. Just lift up your hand this morning. I see some more over there. Anyone else up in the balcony? See up in the balcony. Anyone would say, I want Jesus to change my life. Wonderful. Just keep your hand up. And as you, with your hand lifted up right where you are, you're indicating, I want Jesus to change my life. Would you pray this prayer with me, please? Would you say this with me, Lord Jesus? Come into my life. My search ends with you today. You are the answer to my search. Forgive my sins, Lord. Make me a new person. Make me a child of God. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Help me to follow you. And you alone. The rest of my life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, could you just put your hand up one more time with me, please? If you prayed that prayer with me, just put your hand up. Anybody else? You prayed the prayer. Wonderful. Let's give them a good hand. God bless you. Wonderful. Thank you up in the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to do something after we close. If you could kindly make your way to the very first row. Pastor Stephen Benny will be here. Pastor Jay Kumar will be here. We want to give you a copy of the New Testament and a little instruction, a little card that gives you the first steps that you need to take having prayed this prayer and made this decision. So please, this morning, after we dismiss, please make it a point to come right here. Meet with Pastor Stephen Benny, Pastor Jay Kumar up here in front. 
Meet with them, please, first before you leave this auditorium. Rest of us, let's stand. We're going to pray for people. We're going to pray for people this morning. Jesus' name is powerful. His name is powerful. Jesus told his believers, use my name. Use my name. When you gather, gather in my name. And if you gather in my name, I will be there. Jesus is here this morning. He told his believers, he said, use my name. Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Use my name. Cast out devils because in my name, devils will flee. Use my name to work miracles because there are miracles in that name. So we want to pray, we want to do that this morning. And because we are really packed, I'm not going to ask people to come up in front. There's no room here. So we're going to pray for people right where they are. There are believers around you, right around you, and they know how to pray. So it's not always necessary for a preacher to lay hands on you. It's not the preacher who does it, it's Jesus Christ. It's His name. It's not the length of the prayer, it's not the volume of the shout, but it's the power of His name. And His name is close to you. You can speak it. So we want to pray in this place for those who might be sick, who might be hurting, who might need a miracle in their lives, whatever it might be. The Bible says, if God did not withhold His only Son, but gave Him up for us all, then will He not also with Him give us freely all other things? You can never ask too much of God. He's already given the greatest, the best. So don't be afraid this morning to ask Lord for what you need Healing in your body A miracle in your life In your circumstance, in your situation We want to pray Believers around you are ready to pray We're going to do that So believers get ready to pray For those around you Who might have a need If you do have a need I just want you to Don't be afraid Just lift your hand up if you have some sickness in your body and want somebody to pray with, just lift your hand up. If you have a need in your life, a circumstance, a situation you're going through, this is Christmas Day, but things could be wrong and you want Jesus to fix it. Let's lift your hand up. Now believers, just look around you. See people around you who have their hands lifted up. Just go to them and pray with them, please. Lift your hand up. Believers, turn around. Look around. There are people around you. Just go to them. Pray. I see people up in the balcony who need somebody to pray with them, please. Lift your hand up. There are people out there at the back. Don't be afraid. Just put your hand up. Believers, just look around you. You believe in the name of Jesus. Just go pray with them. Just pray a simple prayer. Ask them, what is it that you need? Just pray for them. You can move the chairs around if you want because we're going to be closing in a few minutes. If you have a need, just put your hand up. 
Just tell them what you need. They'll pray with you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we pray for people, Lord, in this place who've come here this Christmas morning and yet have needs. Father, your word says, if you did not withhold your only son, but gave him up for us all, then how much more will you not give us freely everything else? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command sicknesses and diseases to leave. I command people who are sick, sick bodies, to be healed in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every devil of infirmity, every devil of affliction. You devils leave those bodies in the name of Jesus. Command healing to backs, backs that have been hurt and injured. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Back pains, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. People, if you've come here with back pain, just want you to believe God, just begin to check your back. Believe God for healing for your back in the name of Jesus. Joints, people with problem with the hip, hip joints, and knees, just receive your healing. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Put your hand on your hip. If that's where you've got your problem and say, Lord, I receive, I receive. I receive my healing, Lord. I receive my healing. I receive my healing. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your miracles in this place. Lord, we pray for miracles in the life situations of people. In their circumstances. People are looking for jobs. Lord, that you will open up doors for their lives. That they will be provided with good jobs in the name of Jesus. I rebuke joblessness out of your life in the name of Jesus. Because the word of God says it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. He will make a way for you to earn. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise, O oh God. We speak your peace and your healing into homes and families and marriages. In a homes where there, are, where there is confusion. In homes where there is darkness. We send your light, O oh God. We send your peace, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we bind every demonic oppression off of your family, of your home. We command the peace of God there in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God.